let's uh, take a look at uh, this lesson today. This is kind of a, a kitchen sink here, and I get in trouble when I do that. But uh, here we are at the end. We're just... Uh, this series is probably... Uh, it's just been great for me. Um, reading through the Bible in 90 days, going through this... This aspect of listening to God's voice and preaching is just throughout the Bible. And large sections of Scripture address it. So I want to I wanna begin by just asking this question. How would you listen if you knew your very life depended on what the other person was saying? How would you listen? Just, just attentively. attentively. That's an understatement. What else? How would you listen? What would you do? There's some, come on, some of you out there would be like getting a tape recorder. That's right. <laughs> you would be getting a notebook out. You would be saying, repeat that again. You would be writing it down. You would be repeating it back and saying, did I get that? If you went to your doctor and you were diagnosed with cancer and he said, now what I'm about to tell you will not only cure your cancer, it will save your life. How would you listen? Do what? You take notes. You would listen. Let me put it this way. How would you listen to this message today if you knew this would be the last message you ever heard before you died? How would you listen today? If you knew that this, this day you would die and that today at church, upstairs, downstairs, this is the last time you would ever hear God's Word taught before you met God. How would you listen? How would you listen any differently than what maybe you listen week by week? Well, on your uh, de- on your tables there, I put a picture of Will Norton. Out of the Joplin tornado, there came amazing, amazing and tragic stories, but perhaps none more tragic than, uh, than the story of, uh, or at least more uh, just intriguing. Here's a young man, and this picture is literally taken that day when he graduated from high school. So here's a young man. All the world is set before him. This is Sunday. He's a Christian. Believer. Drives home in the family Humvee. Nice to have the family Humvee. You would think that's safe. I mean, I, you know, if I was going to be in a tornado, I'd want to be in a Humvee than any other vehicle. You know, definitely not Gwen's Escort. And his belt seatbelt snaps and he gets sucked through the sunroof with one of his friends grabbing his, his legs and hanging on to it. And yet as he's sucked up, he's quoting Scripture one after another as he goes up into a death swirl of a tornado. Now there's a lot of interesting application in that story. You know, one, just amazing that this young man's a Christian. More amazing that he had memorized Scripture. And then the fact that he had, he could quote it. But the biggest thing from that story that grabbed me was what a glorious thing to enter into your Savior's presence, quoting His words back to Him. But see, as I listen to that story, I'm like, all that precedes. I mean, you know, this guy, you know, he, he didn't flip open his Bible in the middle of that tornado and say, oh, what scripture could I quote now? What scripture could... He, he had it memorized. But, but I think the more amazing thing is, is that he never knew, as you look at that picture, as you look at that picture, that within hours, 
he would meet Jesus. How would you listen today if you knew it was the last time you would ever hear God's Word taught? Well, turn your Bibles to Matthew chapter 7. I want to take you to the conclusion of the greatest sermon that's ever been preached. Uh, you know, that might be debatable, but it's the Lord Jesus Christ preaching the longest extended sermon recorded in Scripture. You know it and probably have heard it as the Sermon on the Mount. It begins in Matthew chapter 5, and it's very simple. Matthew chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2, Seeing the multitudes, he went up on a mountain, and when he was seated, his disciples came to him. Then he opened his mouth and taught them, saying... And then he preaches for three chapters until you get to chapter 7 in verses 21 through 27. We come to the conclusion of what I think is one of the greatest, if not the greatest sermon that ever that has ever been preached. And we're going to end these seven spirit, these the spiritual skills on how to listen to a sermon. We're going to end the way we began by looking at a sermon that Jesus taught. And lo, notice how he concludes this sermon, verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, "Lord, Lord," shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many wonders in your name? And then I will declare to them. Notice I won't discuss it. We won't dialogue about it. I will declare to them, depart from me. You who practice lawlessness. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, notice that, therefore, on the basis of what I've just illustrated for you, what I've just told you about, is going to happen. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew. Sounds like a tornado to me and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. Now, everyone who hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, and the floods came, and the winds blew, and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. Can you imagine living in Joplin, Missouri? And knowing that this F5 killer tornado is coming and it's going to wipe out houses and yet someone has told you, I guarantee you that your house will stand. Others will be devastated. It will just be a devastation. You've seen the pictures, yet your house will stand. And that's exactly what Jesus is saying. Here's how he ends the most, his most famous sermon. He ends it with a warning. Listen like your life depends on it. Because it does. He just preached, and he said, some of you are going to hear these words, and you're not going to do them. You're not going to listen like your life depends on it. And therefore, when the storms come, and when judgment comes, you will be lost. And I will say, depart from me, I never knew you. I never knew you. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. Here's the point. Is he, it's in verses 21 through 24, there's these people who have heard what he has said and gone out and done things in his name. The only problem is they haven't done them in their heart. 
Look, I did all this in your name. I was out here doing this. In your name, in your name, in your name. It was on my lips. And Jesus says, but it wasn't in your heart. I never knew you. And he emphasizes, he says to him, those that do, uh, verse 21, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of my Father. Verse 24, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, So I see two observations from this conclusion of the greatest sermon in the Bible, and two things come out very clearly on the way Jesus ended this sermon. Number one, why we listen is very clear. Why we listen to God's Word is very clear, and I hope you've seen this throughout this series. We listen in order to obey. We listen in order to obey. There's no other kind of listening in the Bible that is legitimate in God's eyes. Number two, how we listen is vital. How we listen is vital. Listening is a matter of life and death. Listening is a matter of life and death. And so we see in this passage the seventh spiritual skill for listening to a sermon, and Jesus says it's the vital one, and it's this. Listen like your life depends on it. Listen like your life depends on it, because it does. Another way of saying it is simply this. Listening is a matter of eternal life and death. How we listen is a matter of eternal life and death. Now, so what? How do I put that into practice? Well, let let me take you to a repeated warning in the Bible. And it's there in your notes. It's a repeated warning. I think this verse, this one single verse, really summarizes, well, how does one listen as though their life depends on it? And here's the warning. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as as in the rebellion. Now, this is found, first of all, in Psalms 95. So turn back in your Bibles to Psalm 95. I want you to see it's an Old Testament warning. It's a New Testament warning. In fact, the Old Testament warning is repeated re- repeatedly in the New Testament. But let's look at Psalm 95. Sometimes we forget to, to find the Old Testament context of such passages. Let's look at it. Psalm 95. Notice verse 1. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout joyfully to the rock, there's a repeated theme today, the rock of our salvation. Let us come before His presence with thanksgiving. Let us shout joyfully to Him with psalms. For the Lord is the great God and the great King above all gods. In His hand are the deep places of the earth. The heights of the hills are, are His also. The sea is His, for He made it. And His hands form the dry land. Oh, come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God. Sounds like the chorus that Kirk just led us in. And it's the exact same context that we've, for these last 10-15 minutes, that's, that's what we've been doing. A call to worship. The context is one of worshiping God with His people. But also, look at verse 7. There's the expectation that in the context of this worship, God is going to speak. Verse 7, For He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, and the sheep of His hand today. 
If you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. You see, the expectation is that when God's people come together right now over Him, remember, that's one of the principles, in the context of worship, God is going to speak to us because He's our shepherd king. And He's going to speak to His people the people of His pasture, the sheep who are under His care. We should expect God to speak to us. But then the warning, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion, as in the day of trial in the wilderness. When your fathers tested me, they proved me, though they saw my work. See, again, they saw my work. Takes us back to Matthew 7. Hey, we saw all these things that God did, but they didn't know God. They didn't, they didn't listen to what they heard. They didn't obey. And look at the consequences, verses 10 through 11. For 40 years, I was grieved. And in the New King James, in the margin, it says disgusted. I'd write in the margin of your Bible by that word grieved. Disgusted. Detestable. Detestable. Loathsome. You ever had something that is so disgusting, you just go, yeah, get that away from me. You know, for all of us, that'd be different things. You know, maybe a different type of food, maybe whatever. I don't know what's detestable, disgusting, and loathsome to you, but we see clearly what is those what is detestable to God. It's a generation of people who hear His Word, harden their hearts, and they don't do what they have been told. For 40 years I was greeted with that generation and said, it is a people who go astray where? In their hearts. And they do not know my ways. They saw my works, but they don't know my ways. So I swore in my wrath. Here's the ultimate consequence of being a hearer only. I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. And we know what that means from Pastor Bruce's sermon last week, that rest ultimately is that eternal rest of salvation, that those who hear the Word of God but do not do it from their hearts will not enter God's eternal rest. Wow, that's heavy-duty stuff. But let's look at Hebrews chapter 3. The same warning is repeated in the book of Hebrews, no less than four times in one, uh, one and a half chapters. So turn to your Bibles to Hebrews chapter 3. This isn't just an Old Testament warning, it's a New Testament warning that's repeated four times. So let's take a look at it. Let's first look at uh, Hebrews chapter 2. Because Hebrews chapters 2, 1 through 4, begins a section that includes Hebrews 3 and 4. So let's, let's, let's get the context. Again, Hebrews chapter 2. Because it's about what this series has been about. Therefore, we must give the more earnest heed to the things we have heard. That is the purpose and the passion of this series. Therefore, we must give more earnest heed to the things we have heard, lest we drift away. For if the word spoken through angels proved steadfast and every transgression and disobedience received a just reward. He's talking about the law. He's talking about Psalm 95, that which we just read. Look, if angels 
preached the commandments to Moses. And if, 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 if the message that came through angels received judgment on those who did not listen, verse 3, how shall we escape if we neglect so great a salvation, which at the first began to be spoken not by angels, not through a, a human mediator like Moses, but by the Lord and was confirmed to us by those who heard him, the apostles, God also bearing witness both with signs and wonders, with various miracles and gifts of the Holy Spirit according to His own will. What's he saying there? He's saying, look, when the Word of God is preached, Jesus, the Father, and the Holy Spirit are speaking, and if we're going to neglect what they are saying to us, then our judgment will be great. Now, come back over to, uh, turn over to Hebrews 3, and let's look at verse 7. Out of that context, he's still speaking. Look at Hebrews 3, verse 7. Therefore, as the Holy Spirit says, and then he quotes Psalm 95. Today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. In the day of trial in the wilderness, where your fathers tested me, proved me, and saw my works forty years. Therefore, I was angry with that generation, disgusted, grieved, I loathed them and said, They always go astray in their heart, and they have not known my ways. So I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Verse 12, speaking to us as New Testament believers, Beware, brethren, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. But exhort one another daily... Makes me think of Hebrews 10, 25... 24, we've talked about listening weekly, not weekly. But exhort one another daily while it's called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. For we have become partakers of Christ. If we hold the beginning of our confidence steadfast to the end, we must persevere while it is said... Today, he says it again, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry for forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who what? Who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter because of their unbelief. Well, which one is it? Unbelief or disobedience? Which one is it? Todd says yes. Because it's both. You see, we have separated these two things. Oh, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the preaching. I'll listen to the preaching, but I don't have to listen to it. That's an option. I'm under grace. To expect me to obey what I hear would be legalistic. And what does God say? No, that's unbelief. That's unbelief. Well, I don't believe that. Well, then you have a hard heart. And so do I, if that's my attitude to what God is saying to me. Therefore, verse 1, chapter 4, verse 1, Therefore, since a promise remains of entering His rest, that's the eternal rest of salvation that Bruce preached on last week, the fourth commandment. Let us fear, 
lest any of you seem to have come short of it. For indeed, the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. You see, the gospel is not just for the New Testament, it's for the Old Testament. He preached good news to the Old Testament believers. And those Old Testament believers refused to enter into God's rest, and they suffered the consequences for it. He's saying, look, why? Because it was not mixed with faith in those who heard it. Listen, there must be a chemical reaction in your heart every time you hear the Word of God. What you hear in your heart must be mixed with faith. If it's not mixed with faith, if it doesn't get united with faith in your heart, then it ain't doing anything. It's not doing any good. You can come here week after week after week, and if you do not take what is taught clearly from the Word and unite it with a faith that obeys, it is useless and your heart is being hardened every time. See, we like to think that we get to come neutral. I come neutral, and I can leave neutral. Well, the fact of the matter is, as we've seen in this series, no one comes, including myself, we don't come here neutral. We come here disinclined to obey God. And we have to prepare our hearts and say, God, I expect to hear from you. And because I expect to hear from you, I admit that you know better than I do. And to make sure that I'm hearing from you, I'm going to check what I hear with the Bible. And I'm going to come together with God's people so that I'm accountable to them. And I'm going to listen weekly, consistently, so my heart continually gets softened and softened and softened. But if I don't, it will weekly get harder and harder and harder. That's what this is saying. Wow! Notice what it says. For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he said, So I swore in my wrath they shall not enter my wet rest, although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way, and God rested on the seventh day from all his works. And again in this place they shall not enter my rest, since therefore it remains that some must enter it. And those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Again, he designates a certain day, saying in David, Today, after such a long time, as it has been said, today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, then he would not have afterwards spoken of another day. There remains, therefore, a rest for the people of God. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. He's saying those that have entered into God's rest cease working for their salvation because God has spoken it. I believed it and now I obey it. Look at verse 11. Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest lest anyone fall after the same example of disobedience. And then we come to 12 and 13. We'll stop here. For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of the soul and the spirit and of the joints and the marrow, and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Wow. Do 
<laughs> we went from chapter 2 to chapter 4, and it began with the Word, it ended with the Word, and in between we had four warnings. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your heart. So here's what I want to do with the time we have remaining. Four ways people who listen like their lives depend on it. Four ways to listen as though your life depends on it. And it's all out of that one phrase. Today, if you hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. Number one, I see that we need to listen to God's Word urgently. We need to listen to it ur- urgently. You see that word today. It, 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 he emphasizes, that really what he's saying, if you hear his voice today, you know, the proper way to say that, if you hear his voice today, don't harden your heart. But what he says is, today, if you hear his voice. What's the point of that? Well, first of all, today is every day. It's any day. Every day, any day, we hear the preaching of God's Word and the leading of God's Spirit. I like how he says it. He says uh, uh, that, that verse 7, 4, 7, again, he designates a certain day today after such a long time. You see, it was today thousands of years ago, and it's today right now. And it's today next week, and it's today upstairs within an hour. It's today whenever you hear God's voice. It's right now. It's right here. The point is, the day you hear is the day to obey. Secondly, today is never too late until it's too late. Did you get that one? Today is never too late until it's too late. I didn't know how else to say that except to say, you know, the emphasis is today because why? Tomorrow may be too late. I find it interesting that in the book of Hebrews, two times we are warned about when it will be too late. Sometimes it will be too late when we're still alive. Where do I get that? Look at Hebrews 12. Turn back a few chapters or forward a two chapters to Hebrews chapter 12 and look at verse 17. I find it interesting that the author of Hebrews in a sermon that emphasizes today says this, About Esau, verse 17, For you know that afterward, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected, for he found no place for repentance, though he sought it diligently with tears. See, he was still alive, but it was too late. The day to listen was too late. I can't tell you when that day is. You say, well, that kind of puts some fear into me. Didn't we just read about being fearful? You see, we ought to come with a healthy respect and reverence and fear of God knowing that what I hear today may be my last time to respond. Just ask Will Norton. Maybe your last time. But you say, well, I I may not die today. Yeah, but God may say, you know what? You have presumed upon my grace enough. The time is now too late. You say, well, I don't know about that. Why? Take it up with Esau. Ask Esau. We definitely know it's too late when we die and when Christ comes again. That's in Hebrews 9. Turn back, uh, 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 back to uh, Hebrews 9, 27 and 28. Notice it's definitely not today if you've died. When you die, it's tomorrow. Okay? As it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. No discussion, just that declaration 
Depart from me, I never knew you. So Christ offered once to bear sins of many. To those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time apart from sin for salvation. For Will Norton, it was a time of salvation. He had God's word hidden in his heart. He was ready to meet his maker. I don't know anything about his life. All I know is a profession. You're quoting scripture. And the family has had a strong profession, even being criticized on their Facebook page for bringing God into it. And his aunt said, look, we believe in God, not just God, but the Lord Jesus Christ. This is who we are. This isn't a news media outlet. We do not apologize. I'd say they're believers. You see, the devil always tells us there's tomorrow. Listen, whenever you think manana, you think that's the devil. The story's told, and this is just an illustration. Story's told of the devil training his junior devils. He asks them what they're going to tell human beings. One of them is going to try to say and whisper, there is no God. The senior devil thinks it's worth a try, but doesn't think many will be foolish enough to fall for that. The second devil suggests there is no judgment. Have you heard that recently? The senior devil thinks that's better, but still doubts he'll have much success because people have an inbuilt sense of accountability and understand that our actions have consequences. Any other ideas? Finally, one junior devil suggests, how about this? There's no hurry. The senior devil enthusiastically commends the idea. That's exactly the message that will be most widely believed and will do the most harm. There is no no hurry. It's kind of like the advice that the Red Queen gave to Alice in Through the Looking Glass. Jam tomorrow, jam yesterday, but never jam today. And listen, the devil wants us to think, apply the Scriptures tomorrow, apply the Scriptures yesterday, but never apply them when? Today. Today. Remember the great church leader Augustine had a struggle with sexual immorality before he came to Christ. And as he was struggling with his sins, he prayed this prayer to God, Give me chastity, but not yet. And that's kind of how we are. Lord, I want to live for you, but not yet. I want to give up this sin, but not yet. I want to listen to this sermon. I want to do it, but not yet. Look at what Richard Baxter, one of the great Puritan, Puritan uh, preachers said. Remember that you have but a little time to hear in, and you do not know whether you will ever hear again. Hear, therefore, as if it were your last. Think when you hear the calls of God and the offers of grace, for all I know, this may be my last. How would I hear if I were sure to die tomorrow. I am sure it will not be that far off and maybe today for all I know. So what should we do? Well, repent, believe, and obey again and again. Repent, believe, and obey again and again and again. See, sometimes we think getting saved, what we did to get saved, we repented of our sins, we trusted in Christ, and we followed through by making a confession of faith, being baptized, gathering with God's people. We think all that's in the past, but you know what? That's today. Today, what should we do? Repent all over again. 
turn from whatever it is. God is saying, here's where you fall short. We should trust Jesus. Lord, you've forgiven it all, and you've given me through your resurrection the power to do this, and now I'm going to move out and I'm going to do something about it. We should get, in a sense, now don't think I'm here, we should get saved all over again every day that we hear the Word of God. Not in the sense of being saved, but responding with repentance, belief, and obedience. You see, someone has said, the decision we have made yesterday is proved genuine by the fact that we do the same turning of the heart today. Listen to what J.I. Packer says, Repentance means turning from as much as you know of your sin to give as much as you know of yourself to as much as you know of your God. And as our knowledge grows at these three points, so our practice of repentance has to be enlarged. See, every Sunday we should learn more and more about my sin. Every day the Word is heard, my sin should be revealed, my Savior should be seen as bigger... And I should want to place my faith in Him. So, listen urgently. Number two, listen humbly. Listen humbly. Today, if you hear my voice, do not harden. What's the opposite of hardening our hearts? It's softening it. It's being humble. What does do not harden mean? Do not harden means respond versus not responding or refusing. Do not harden. You see, when he says, when you hear my voice, if you hear his voice, we know that hearing the voice basically means obeying in Scripture. So the opposite of hearing the voice is not obeying. And to not obey means I either refuse, but you say, well, I would never refuse God because I know He's God. I just... Don't respond. And again, that's refusing. Would you tolerate that in your kids? I mean, when your son says, well, I heard you, Dad, and I'm not rejecting mowing the lawn, I'm just not doing it. What would you say, Kirk? <laughs> would you say anything? Or would, the, you know, would there be other corporal means of communicating? Yeah, we listen, listen. I, you know, I've just been thinking about this this week. If we would just take the common sense parenting that we were under and expect of our children and apply that to the spiritual realm, we'd become spiritual giants overnight. Because we do not tolerate things in our children. Don't tell me you heard me. You're not doing it. And yet we come to God and say, Now, God, now, come on, you certainly wouldn't hold me to that standard, would you? Somehow we're better parents than God? I mean, come on, let's think through this. Our Father who art in heaven. Now notice, it means that we respond. And I love this paraphrase of 2 Timothy 3.16. I'm sticking it back in there again. Every part of Scripture is God-breathed and useful one way or another, showing us truth, exposing our rebellion, correcting our mistakes, training us to live God's way. So let me give it to you, these four things, another way, there's a, a, just a, a same thing, a new way, no, be, do, live. Every time we hear the Word of God, we can do one of these things. No, be, do, live. And, and I, I wrote, listen, I don't do these lessons for the fun of it. 
Thought goes in. I know it's scary, Kristen, but really, thought does go into these things. And I worked over these questions. Notice, based on 2 Timothy 3.16, the Word of God is always doing these three things. Therefore, would it not make sense that those who listen like their life depends on it would come and ask these four questions? What did I learn today? that I need to remember and meditate on. What did I learn today that I need to remember and meditate on? Now, listen, that's not too hard to do. And honestly, if we listen down here for 45, 50 minutes, upstairs for 45, and we can't come away with one thing we need to... That we, first of all, if we haven't learned anything new, then I give you permission to leave this church, go find another. Honestly, if we would listen to the Word of God every week and we're not learning anything new, there's something wrong. But I, I don't think it's with what we're teaching. It's with how we're listening. So what do I need to remember? And how am I going to do it? Hey, through the Ten Commandments, that's what we're looking at. The Ten Commandments. You have those verses of Scripture. There they are. Memorize. Meditate. I'm telling you, it's blessing my soul. It will change you. Number two, where do I fall short in what I'm hearing today? Now that can be a discouraging one because you can write over it what? Sometimes. Everything. (laughs) Okay. Everything. I don't like that. Well, listen, we can't avoid the question just because we don't like it. Where am I falling short? Listen, God wants to create in us a desperation and a total confession that says, I am broken. I am Humpty Dumpty. I cannot figure this out. I'm not smart enough. I am not strong enough. I am not spiritual enough. I cannot put this thing together. It is good to come before God and say, Every, I fall short everywhere. But let's be, you know, let's, what I'm trying to say is find that there, there's usually what I have, let, let me put it in my experience. There's usually one major thing that God is just like blinking. This is for you, not for Kirk. Not for Jerry. Chris, this is for you. And I guarantee you, everyone right now, God's doing that. God's doing that. Number three, what corrections need to be made today? The focus is on today. What what corrections need to be made today? I'm not talking about tomorrow. I'm not talking about regrets about the past. I'm saying what today cannot do I need to correct and then finally what is one thing one thing that I can begin doing today to make this a consistent part of my life man is that workable is that workable stuff I know if you say yes then you're accountable but is that workable can we do that can we come to God's word and ask it? that's you know what that's humbling And only a soft heart will do that. What we do know is no response is sin. So, how should we do? What what should we do? Let Let me put it this way. Ask God to open our hearts and help us apply what we hear. Ask God to open our hearts and help us apply what we hear. Ask God to open our hearts and help us apply. Because here's the point. We're talking about not having... He says, do not harden your hearts. Two things about that. One, 
To say, to give someone a command, do not harden your hearts, implies what? That they, that's something that we can do, right? And yet the reality is, can you soften your own heart? No. You say, well, wait a minute. God can't do that. He can't give a command that we can't do and yet hold us accountable to do it. Well, He does it throughout the whole Bible. Now, why can why does he why can he do that and it still be fair? He's righteous, we're not. Do what? He's righteous, and we're not. He's righteous, and we're not. Okay, that's true. That's true. We we just we but we, we but we still need to work through the practical. Okay, we know he you know he's right in doing it, but why? What? Provided what we need. Yes, he provides the ability to do what is impossible. So, do not harden your hearts is an impossible command that we must obey by relying on Him to soften our hearts. Well, I don't like that. You know why? (laughs) What? Pride. Because I'm not in control. Because that means I can't do it on my terms. I have to do it on His. That means I can't do it without Him. Because I like God, but you know, I like doing things in His name, but I don't really like Him getting into my business. And to be honest, many of us come and listen to God's Word and we're just like that. Oh God, I want to... We need to listen to ourselves. Some of us need to tape what we say about God and our spiritual life and play it back. And the sad thing is, for some of us, you could play that same tape ten times years in a row and you'd be saying the same things about your same desires to do the same things for God that you're still not doing and this passage says is a warning do not harden your hearts ask God to open your hearts listen to Luke 24 here's what Jesus said and he opened their understanding that they may comprehend the scriptures we can't get to the scriptures and understand them unless Jesus opens our hearts Acts 16:14 now a certain woman named Lydia heard us she was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira who worshiped God the Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul there it is in a nutshell God will open our hearts to heed that which He has spoken to us. Well, I'll give you the third one, and this will have to be a two-part. Listen sincerely. Listen sincerely. And what we'll do next week, instead of listening, uh, teaching on how to listen to bad sermons, which... You know, I don't know why we even have to address that here, but we will. How to listen to bad sermons. That's just an amazing... Well, you'll come back for that. So next week what we'll do is we're going to finish this out and we're going to look at listening sincerely. And we're going to go to the passage that we began this series with. We're going to go to the four soils. The parable of the soils. And we're going to break down because here's what he says what we heard this morning. Do not harden your what? Your hearts. You see, it's all about the heart. So we'll take into that. Father's Day will have a message for you dads, so please be here. And then the week after that, we will look at how to listen to a bad sermon.
Because I said at the beginning of this, this isn't, it's a two-way thing. It's not all just about the hearer, it's about the speaker. And sometimes we as preachers, teachers, we fall short. And every once in a while, how, how many of you have ever heard a bad sermon? <laughs> okay, I will, I will, you see, Todd has grown up. <laughs> he has heard many. No. We will look at, I, I will try to find, there's some amazing YouTube uh, 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 bad sermons out there. That re, and the sad part is, they are presented on YouTube as though they are good sermons. But there, there is a famous one that I will, I'll, it's been a while since I listened to it. I'll have to make sure it's suitable for uh, Sunday consumption. But uh, it is a famous bad sermon. And we will learn how to listen to bad sermons. So, today, what did you learn today that you need to remember and meditate on? Where did the Holy Spirit say, today you fell short? You're falling short in this area. What correction are you going to make? And what's one thing you're going to do to start making this a habit in your daily life? Let's pray. Father, these are strong words from a strong and sovereign God. And yet, as we have emphasized... You never ask us to do anything that you don't first give us the ability to do it. But we do have to humble ourselves. We do have to listen urgently because today we have heard your word. We have heard your voice. And so, God, help us not to harden our hearts, but instead open our hearts and open our hearts to heed that which we've heard. And Lord, let us break the tape. And let us start fresh and anew, repenting again, believing again, obeying again, because you are our God and there is no other like you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be encouraged today.